Thanks for listening to a podcast from WSUM. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. Welcome back to the Abolitionist Roundtable, the Madison Journal of Literary Criticism affiliated podcast, where we sit down to discuss issues tied to social justice, often following a corresponding weekly MJLC study group meeting. This spring, we are on to our second season of the podcast and our fourth edition of the revived, revived edition of the MJLC. Our theme for the study group, this podcast, and the publication is Dream. Just as a recap, the Madison Journal of Literary Criticism is an abolitionist study group that produces an international magazine. We come together weekly to talk about issues of social justice and engage with those issues through art. In terms of where we're at with the Dream Edition, we kind of defined our four, mag- our four magazines so far with consciousness, which is becoming attuned to the harms of the carceral state, renaissance, trying to reimagine what we can do, resistance, this is about getting angry, and then dream is about imagining a world free of harm. So we're kind of in our speculative era. If you're interested in learning more about the MJLC, there is an Instagram and submissions are open. Um, till March 8th for all written work and March 15th for all art. Earlier this month, five MJLC staff members went to the AWP conference in Kansas City. That is the Association of Writers and Writing Programs Conference. Um, And in this edition of the podcast, we are sitting down with three of our AWP attendees to discuss what they learned, saw, and experienced. So without further ado, we just wanted to introduce the members of the roundtable today. Guests, if you don't mind, can you share your name, pronouns, affiliation with the MJLC, and what was the first song you keyed up? queued up for the seven-hour car ride to Kansas City. All right, well, my name's Sophia. I'm the publishing director of the MJLC, and I think the first song that I queued up was um, Could It Be Another Change by The Samples. Hi, I'm Rhea. I'm one of the co-editor-in-chiefs of the MJLC. Um, The first song I queued up was Everybody Wants to Rule the World. I think it's a good road trip song. Brew. Um, And I am Ella Olson. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I am the managing editor and EIC elect at the MJLC. And um, I really don't remember the first song, but I think it was Scrawny by Wallows. I'm just going to go with that. You cued a lot of Beyonce, too. True, yeah. A lot of Beyonce in the car ride. Yes. Five people with very different music tastes. Sharing Ox was an experience and a half for 14 hours there and back. So what exactly is AWP and why did the MJLC want to go to this conference? So the AWP, I think Ella said it earlier, but it's the Association of Writers and Writing Programs Conference. Um, and it took place at the Kansas City Convention Center this year. And it's both a conference and a book fair. So there's different panels um, from different literary magazines, authors, publishers. Basically, it's just a conference for writers, editors, writing programs, educators, and publishing groups, and it's just a space for creatives to come together, collaborate, network, and just reunite while sharing ideas with each other. So I feel like the MGLC definitely wanted to not only be a part of this to learn for ourselves, but also just like be part of this community and creative like network. Yeah, like as a a literary journal, I think being a part of the literary world can be kind of isolating sometimes because so much of what we do is like reading and writing, which kind of does happen in isolation. So I think being in a room full of people who are also making magazines or working in really cool intersections of social justice or teaching workshops, I mean, all of us, the three of us at least here, not only are we MJLC staff members, but we're also English majors. So it was just, I think, really exciting to go and see what you can do with this kind of stuff outside of college and also see 
the mission statement of bringing people together through art and writing, how other people are doing it and connecting with those people to kind of make that network of creativity larger. I think we found AWP, we didn't know about it, but like what, November? say hello yeah something like that yeah we found it and then we actually didn't like there's an option to table at the book fair and tabling kind of means setting up like a table for your own literary journal and we decided not to do that we really just wanted to go see and explore and that way hopefully next year well at this point it's basically confirmed we're gonna be a part of awp in la which is crazy for eic elect ella yes i'm excited yeah i've never been to la (laughs) there you go um yeah I agree with everything you guys said. I'm really glad that we went. Um, I think that it's hard to come by events and like infor- information and informative situations for writers in a lot of places, especially in like the Midwest. Like we're in Madison, one of the bigger cities in the area, like at least from Wisconsin where I'm from. And so it was really cool to be around all of these resources and like voices who have experience and knowledge and want to share and I just thought that that was really valuable so yeah what were your initial impressions of the weekend and what was the conference like for you I was really overwhelmed I yeah I was gonna say like it was obviously really cool um but I'd say initially it was overwhelming but like I feel like we operated very well where we kind of like did our thing and honest with each other when we were like, hey, I feel like we need time to reflect and stuff. Um, But yeah, I honestly just really did love the vibes just because I feel like it was almost a reunion of sorts or almost like this just like hub of thinking and creating and just talking about books. I just I love talking about books and the amount of people that I just talked to the book fair at the book fair about like their own books and stuff was so fun I loved that it was I had like a fangirl moment I think a lot of my favorite authors were there a lot of my favorite thinkers were there like one of the um, talks I went to Susan Choi was talking about her new book trust education Um, I mean sorry not trust education trust exercise and I had read my education but it was just like a total fangirl moment to be surrounded by people who you read growing up that and like seeing all these other magazines and doing the work they were doing I was Mm -hmm. so weepy this whole weekend because I think there was this moment where the MJLC is entirely student run Um, we're not really affiliated with a ton of like campus institutions like we have campus support but we're kind of doing our own thing so I think there was this moment of like oh we made it when we were there and people were talking to us and we were talking to them and And like reaffirmation I feel like yeah hey we make sense. We make sense to people, and yeah. we're surrounded by people whose brains work like ours. So it was overwhelming in the best way. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I Initial impression, <laughs> we were overdressed. <laughs> we were so overdressed. Here's oh the gosh. thing, though. You got to No, we slayed. Up. It was great. I'd rather be overdressed than underdressed. That was yeah, the no, first. same. The one thing I also want to shout out, Ella, really quickly. We were, and again, it's our first time doing something like this, so incredibly prepared yeah, think, Ella showed up. You, Ella you. showed up because I think one thing we did was we wanted to get the most out of this experience. And I think a big part of that is being we were some of the youngest peoples in every room we walked into. We yeah. realized that most of these other literary journals are run by graduate students, not yeah. undergraduate students. So I think or the fact professionals or professionals. Yeah. These are their jobs. So we were the young people in suits, essentially. But I think a big part of what Ella did was so five of us went and basically we researched for a conference like this. I think it can be overwhelming to see the agenda. 
So what Ella had done in advance was she made basically a list of all the panels that could be interesting to us, and she split them into two categories. Some were like professional development, like how can we learn about submission models as a magazine? How can we be equitable in the sort of stuff we read? How can we promote diversity? So some of the, half of the panels I say we went to were very like professional development for running the journal. And the other half of the panels Ella selected were very tied to dream. Like there was a speculative fiction panel. There was like a where is literary criticism headed panel. So, and we all split up and like signed up for what we were going to. So we did a lot of divide and conquer. And we even for the book fair, we like scheduled time for that. So I just want to shout out Ella because the initial impression of the weekend was she had done so much research going into this weekend that she was living on the AWP website oh, from November so to February. Bad. Yeah, I knew it felt like I knew every panel. And like when I tell you, we only scratched the surface. I think I personally went to like nine panels um, and between our team, we definitely went to more and we didn't even go to all the ones on our list. And there were hundreds and hundreds of panels and discussions and readings and just opportunities like it really didn't matter who you were or what your role was in like writing or the industry whatever there was so much for you and everyone who was there it was just so so cool but yeah a a lot of stuff to sift through um but yeah did speaking on panels just because we're kind of there like what were your guys's favorites and like events that you attended I think my favorite was probably it's called editing behind bars um mainstream books built by incarcerated artists so this wasn't really professional development but it was so we're an abolitionist journal yeah exactly I don't know it was like I forgot like I was at AWP I forgot I was sitting on a panel and I'm just hearing these artists stories and it was just so inspiring um to hear how like art like saved these people's lives and how art is now a form of activism for these um individuals so just like a little context most of the panel was made up of the people who wrote like essays for this um book called um American Precariat. So they are affiliated in some sort of way with the Minnesota um, prison writing program. And this is where incarcerated artists learn how to or practice writing um, while they're in prison. And so the book is their perspectives. And the panel wasn't all the authors, but several of them. And it was just so beautiful to see how like they are practicing art and act, like abolition as a form of activism and art as a form of activism. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really, really enjoyed listening to it. It was just really like moving and personal. And it just felt like we were in conversation with these people. They were like, we just want to share our story. And this is a story that needs to be told. And yeah, it was it was amazing. I'm having trouble deciding. I feel like I had so many life like epiphanies while I was there. So I'm just going to list a couple of things that I loved. Sophia and I took a, we thought we were taking a break. We thought we were like, hey, we're seniors. We're leaving the MJLC. So, and we're both English majors working on our theses. Thesis. We both took a couple breaks to do like some personal project panels where it's like, this is something that ties to my thesis or something I'm interested to. So one panel that really stood out to me was reimagining place, new voices from the Midwest. 
And basically the tagline for this was, let's talk about flyover country. And if anyone knows me knows that I am obsessed with Midwestern art, finding beauty in the ordinary, this sort of, at least my relationship with the Midwest has always been like feeling trapped and it being a rut for me. So for me, the Midwest is all about angst. And Sophia and I went to this panel and immediately within the first 10 minutes of getting there, I was humbled. Because for me, this panel focused primarily on other other queer people of color like myself, but I just think my experience was a little bit different in the Midwest. And they basically talked about how what people see as ordinary or boring about the Midwest, for so many people, that ordinary life, the safety of that, the monotony of that is their dream, is their utopia. Coming from places where you don't feel safe going to bed at night, coming from places where the school systems aren't good, coming from places you know where communities aren't close, a place like the Midwest isn't somewhere boring you want to run away from. It isn't something angsty. It's something you want to work to have. And all I could think about was like my parents who are immigrants and how they see the Midwest. And the other example that they were talking about, like the converse of that was in the Midwest, there is so much beauty. There is so much diversity of narrative. There is so much. So I went in there being like, the way I always talk about the Midwest is the Midwest squeezes poetry out of you like toothpaste because it's so constrained. And they were like, no, there are so many stories here worth telling and searching for. So this wasn't really a talk. It was a reading. So there was five Midwestern poets, and they just read their poetry. And the entire time I was just writing quotes because I was like, these poets are so good. And they were so funny. Like Sophia and I were like laughing the whole time. We were eating fruit snacks and just like watching people. So that was a moment that stood out to me a lot. Um, Another one I loved is we went to the National Book Foundation's like award honorees about the coming of age story which again, I didn't think would be tied to the MJLC, but it was basically about coming of age in a neoliberal world, coming of age in within capitalism and just kind of talking about angst and economy and community. Which is your thesis. Which is literally my thesis, <laughs> but I don't know. It was just like talking about how, like our obsession with adolescence and how a big part of becoming disillusioned with reality is becoming disillusioned with the nine to five workday, becoming disillusioned with basically the roles and expectations of capitalism. So it was very, very tied to the carceral state, which was super exciting. Um, the three of us went to a new fabulism panel of speculative literature and women, which was super cool. Um, but I think my favorite panel of all, and then I'll stop yapping, was where is literary criticism headed? Um, Ella and I were both crying at that panel. <laughs> this panel basically was with the National Book Critics Circle, And they were just talking about what is literary criticism. So it was part reading. So we had two critics read from their work. And then we just talked about what is literary criticism. And they were talking a lot about how recently a lot of culture writers, like opinion writers, have been getting fired in magazines and how we've been focusing more on like concrete news versus criticism. And I think when they were talking about where is literary criticism headed, they were talking about the importance of diverse narratives how criticism isn't just isolated in academia, how criticism can be poetry, it can be personal narratives because the personal is subliminally and inherently political. So basically, they like half of the stuff they were saying was on the MJLC's website and mission statement. So I think it was just the most reaffirming thing to be like all of these geniuses. Also, they were like so incredibly smart that I was just taken aback by how intelligent and eloquent these people were. So just hearing them talk about where they think it's going and it's kind of what we were doing was super reaffirming for me.
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really loved a lot of the different panels we went to. I would say my favorite, though, my favorite, though, was going to one called, uh, what was it called? Uh, something about literary magazines. Oh, yeah. Only this, running a themed journal in an era of distraction and specialization. And while in terms of, like, content, I don't think it was necessarily the most, like, impactful in that way because this was definitely more of a personal like professional development panel um but me and Jonathan one of our other team members who was on this trip went to this one with me and it was just a bunch of like small independent literary magazines who were talking about like how they do their process how they do everything and specifically because they all run very specifically themed magazines which like is something that we're doing here because you know abolition is not a topic that everyone is talking about though they should be um (laughs) so and it was just really affirming I guess to see that there are other people out there doing doing the thing that they're passionate about and sharing it and even if it is specific um there's there's still a place for it because specificity uh, honestly offers a lot of like space for creativity within a like fence and that was one of the main things that they talked about is like sometimes when you give someone specificity it makes it easier to expand because you have a direction to start and sometimes that's what people need and so we talked about that a little bit which was cool because we theme our journals every semester and also just like in terms of teams I really am not familiar with the literary world like this at all this is my first experience doing doing anything like this and um like we're we're talking about the size of our teams and I just really didn't know how the MJLC compared and some of the teams were like one person or four people or eight people and like they have these really tiny teams that are producing this amazing work but it was also just really reaffirming to me because you know our team has grown so much we have like 17 to 19 people now and like a very united mission and a thriving study group and it was just super um super like comforting and affirming to be in this room of other people who are doing this thing that I'm doing and that we're doing and um because I worry about being specialized sometimes and it just like definitely reaffirmed me that this is a good thing and a right thing and yeah it just made me very proud to be part of the MJLC so what were your biggest takeaways content-wise from AWP or personal takeaways? And what were your biggest takeaways for the MJLC? Is there anything you want to change or implement at the MJLC from AWP? I think one thing I'm so glad about is, like, the way everyone who went, the five of us, how differently our brains work and our positions are. And first of all, in the future, I just want to say, this was our first time going, so it's such a learning experience for us. Like, next year in L.A., we're going to need a minimum of eight to nine people. So, like, I'm so excited to take more people to this and learn more because we went as guests. Like, we did not have a table. We did not have stuff. And next year we're going to. But I think this time we had our two EIC elects, Ella and Landis. And I think a lot of the panels they chose to go to were more professional development oriented. Um, Our Jonathan, who was our our finance boy. (laughs) Our chief financial officer, treasurer, whatever you want to call it. He went to a lot of panels about, like, submission models. There was one about, like, collaborating with indie bookstores that we were thinking about going to. And then I think Sophia and I, who are graduating, 
but I've been here the longest, went to a lot of panels kind of tied to not professional development in terms of running a magazine, but more of the thematic stuff, like what brings this magazine together. But I think I did a lot with submissions, yeah. actually. So I was actually going to turn it both to you, actually, because I feel like my takeaways were more like tied to thematic stuff for running a magazine. But watching Ella and Sophia was so inspiring. Like since AWP, even now, they've both been meeting constantly <laughs> because they had so many takeaways at, on how to change how we function as a magazine or like a lot of, I'd say, logistical things we could be doing better, things we could be doing different. So do you both want to speak a little bit as to some of those takeaways? Yeah, um, I feel like most of my takeaways for for like how the MGLC processes and specifically with our editors and because it was very interesting as Ella was saying just like seeing how other literary journals are comprised and what members they have and what um, positions they offer and oftentimes literary journals will have readers and editors they're separate roles and I'm not saying we should have that um, just because I don't think we have the capacity and the amount of people and we don't have the number of submissions like that you have those types of roles when you're getting thousands and thousands of submissions um but there's a distinction between when you are reading and then when you are editing a piece and I think that was my primary takeaway from I think it was the last panel we went to um with like submission it was just submission models and literary journals or something like that um was that during our conversation about should we use submittable and then that deciding is, that not was to? yeah, yeah that panel. one that was interest that was an interesting panel and that was a good one I feel like to end on yeah because um, it was it I feel like inspired a lot of forward thought about about the MJLC but anyways I think with like the distinction between reader and editor it's very important to have like read with consciousness and I always preach like read with grace like that's I feel like that's my tagline these days um reading with grace reading with empathy and especially we get a lot of not sense well we get more sensitive topics I feel like just like with the nature of our magazine and abolition and social justice so I think it's always important to have that quote-unquote reader lens where you're just conscious of the submitter's background the maybe like different opportunities they have, their perspectives, their thoughts, like just reading with an overall idea that, hey, we all come from different places and we are all writing in this collective and we are a collection of voices. Just to contextualize that a little yeah. bit, Submittable is the largest submissions manager like portal that writers and journals kind of use to send work to one another and it's kind of become a monopoly a little bit yep. yeah I, I was know. like and it's interesting I think and I guess that kind of ties into my takeaways I think because I think Ella and Sophia were more thinking like literal things to do and I think for yeah. me I was very much I was look back at our mission statement MJLC is an abolitionist collective we are asking why and dreaming of more but at the same time we are running a magazine and so much of running anything it is kind of like a job. It, there is sort of a hierarchy. Oh, and I'm like, 100%. how is running a magazine inherently counterintuitive to being abolitionist? Because like, there's a difference between being an arts collective versus producing a product. I think making a product sometimes is inherently a capitalist construct. So I think something I was really cognizant of is like, is using something like Submittable going against our mission. Yeah. And how can we make a magazine, but at the same time, do it in a way that kind of upholds all the things we believe in. Yeah. Like this idea of thought, 
and praxis being on the same page yeah. and not contradicting itself, which I think my biggest takeaway, surprisingly, was, again, another panel that I thought had nothing to do with the MJLC was mango is not my only metaphor, South Asian writers in 2020. And one of the big things they were talking about was if you are a writer who's international, and the MJLC, what I pride us on a lot is oftentimes we're the first we're publishing people for the first time in terms of international writers. We published a 15-year-old poet who's still in high school. Like we are giving, we're, I don't, I don't like, I mean, all journals do this, not just us, but providing people a platform to share their voices, share their stories. But I think by the nature of the MJLC, a lot of voices we include are voices that typically, <laughs> bless you. Thank you, Maria. No, a lot of voices we include are typically voices that don't have a platform. And something I was thinking a lot about was in this panel, they were talking about fighting for a seat at a table so there was five south asian women and they were like oftentimes when i'm submitting to a magazine or trying to get a book deal i feel i have to do it a certain way because when you're seeing a million things unsubmittable you don't want the same south asian story so they felt like rather than having solidarity amongst themselves they were competing with themselves and then finally one of the writers she was like we're fighting for a seat at the table why can't we just flip the table like why are we fighting for a seat rather than creating more spaces for us and I was like, okay, that's something I really, really want us to do in the future. Yeah. And I think Sophia's take was like a more literal, let's do that by reading with grace. Let's do that with um, not looking at international writers who may have different grammar than us, but still publishing it. Yeah. So like, I feel like that conceptual thought was a big mind build moment for me. And Sophia mm -hmm. took that into something very literal and tangible and something we can actually do. Yeah, absolutely. I think... My biggest takeaway from the AWP conference has been honestly something I've been kind of grappling with because it had me emotional, it had me all these things, but we went to lots and lots of panels that were, you know, very social justice oriented. And because of that, we had so many amazing opportunities to hear from authors that are typically excluded from the canon and from the archives. Um, so lots and lots of, of Black and Asian and um, Latinx, like, writers and readers and authors and editors and just, like, how they have used writing and criticism and journal as, like, a mode of activism, not just for, like, their community and their culture, but for their own, like, their own individual, like, drive and everything like that. And I was very, very conscious the entire weekend that when I was in these rooms and in these panels as a white woman, I stand there and I am I am representing, because of my skin tone, a very long and like horrifying, violent history of oppression. Um, yeah. And it just, it was very not, I don't know what the right word is, but I'm just very aware of that. And so it is very important to me to make sure that the MJLC will always be a place that is not buying into that and not continuing that cycle anymore, um, especially stepping into the role of EIC coming next fall, because again, I am a white woman and I don't have experience like that. I will never ever know or understand having being on the receiving end of that uh, violence and oppression and discrimination and hatred. and. I just want to make sure that the MJLC is always a place that not only pushes back against that and refuses to be a part of it, but also pushes forward and past it. 
So yeah, um, as an undergraduate, has any of you been to a conference before? What was the general experience like and how was spending all that time together? <laughs> I've never been to a conference. That was like my first real experience doing something like that. Um, it was really fun. I feel like we actually all really bonded a lot. I <laughs> am very... We had separation I, anxiety when we got A little back. bit. I will say, mm. though, I was very much like mom with the kids, hey, I need my coffee alone time <laughs> at some point. Um, but I overall just, it was really wonderful <laughs> to see how each other like operates and is inspired by different things and just like overall like conducts we how each of us conduct ourselves and it was really really nice to I feel like we got to know each other obviously more on a personal level but also a professional level because mm -hmm. like AWP is there's an inherent like professional vibe and yeah, I mean, I seeing Landis just yap at the book fair was, like, my favorite thing ever. That actually leads like, to... Like, he's so amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I think for me, I have been to a conference before, but it was a philosophy conference when I was a sophomore, and I was a panelist. Like, I was speaking as an undergraduate panelist in a seminary. <laughs> so it was a very different experience. I think for me... I'm not a business kid. I'm not a B-school girly. Networking is wild as a concept to me. And I think going to the book fair and talking to all these other journals and watching, like I said, watching Landis and Jonathan do it is like the most entertaining thing in the oh, world. Yeah. But even I want to shout out Ella. Like we went to this one panel called Brick and Mortar Partnering with Indie Bookstores. And we met these amazing bookstores, Deep Bellum, which is based in Texas, um, Black and Brown Bookstore, which is based in Kansas City, and then Woodland Pattern Books, which is in Milwaukee. Everyone's so nice. Like we were so nervous to approach them. And they were like, no, send us your postcards, send us your bookmarks, send us your flyers. And like as of right now, all three bookstores are promoting the MJLC and we're promoting them. And just mm -hmm. making those connections, I think, was a lot less scary than I thought it would be. Like I usually hate the word networking because I don't like it. Yeah. I think a better word that they use at AWP and I loved it was growing your literary ecosystem. Because yeah. if we don't take care of each other, who will? Well, and that's the thing that like, and it kind of goes back to... I feel like you were kind of touching on the idea of competition and with um, like what do you bring to the table? Why are we like not offering more seats at the table rather than fighting for it? And I think like with quote unquote networking, I just see artists supporting other artists and uplifting each other's art and seeing that like we as artists already have to fight for a seat at any table and like to be recognized so it's like why are we fighting each other we need to like support support each other i don't know speaking I, of yeah. that we bought an egregious <laughs> oh my god so many we books. bought an egregious so amount of books. books i think the amount of books all of us were like oh this is cool i want your book this is cool i want your book money was not a concept that we get no <laughs> no absolutely not um, I think the other thing for me was just like the little moments, like I said, of spending time together. I was so weepy this weekend. <laughs> I think spending weekend with people that I love so ardently and I don't know, the two new EICs and just like watching them. It was just, it was a really beautiful, bittersweet, but like I was just so proud. Like I was just beaming with pride I, the whole time. It was like 
It's like just going, like looking at like Jonathan Landis and Ella, like seeing like yeah. Hey, I'm gonna cry the, now. The MJLC is in good hands. Like not good hands, better hands. Uh, amazing hands. Yeah, better hands. That. No, I just loved like seeing how. I loved seeing you guys inspired because then it's like wow, this they're yeah. inspired to take. I don't know our the magazine to not, a and the level. mission. I just think this is the fact that. Even though this is a literary arts complex, con, um, conference, social justice was just everywhere. Yeah. And I think a big part of it is, I'm going to quote Joan Didion real quick because I know Ella's <laughs> a Joan Didion girly. Oh, I love Joan Didion. Joan Didion has an essay called Why I Write. It's like a thing. And she yeah. says, the act of, I'm, this is not going to be a direct quote because I'm paraphrasing, but she's like, writing a personal narrative, the act of asserting I is a hostile act because you're making people listen to you. And I think as writers and as people who run a magazine publishing other writers, in a world where there is one mainstream status quo narrative, asserting your story is inherently political. Asserting your humanity is inherently political. There was like a panel that was called Social Justice on Page, how writing and activism feed one another. And one of the speakers said, I don't just want to keep writing trauma porn. Get to know my ordinary. Get to know me. Get to know the mundane about me. And asserting that is social justice and at that panel in terms of spending all that time together I think this is the most intimate thing I've ever done with anyone but I was sitting next to Ella and they didn't have enough copies of like the readings to hand out so there was one stack and so this author is reading their poem and we're annotating together and I'm a big believer in like annotating a poem giving it to a friend reading their annotations but us passing a pen back and forth circling words writing notes hands touching (laughs) And I was just like sitting next to you, and then obviously we share a bed. <laughs> right. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we share a bed. Real. Landis and, and I had the snore room. The snore room. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know. We just had this moment where I was like, we are literally taking someone asserting I and marking up their page. And that's what we do here when we run a magazine. Yeah. When people submit to us, we mark up a page, but it's such an isolated act. And we were literally holding hands and annotating. And that yeah. was just such a powerful moment for me. That was within the first 15 minutes of this conference. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. I'm going to go get something, but I hope you're, like, keep talking. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I haven't been to a conference before. This was really cool. I was like, Mom, I'm going to be, like, a little boss lady. Like, this is so cute. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was really cool. It was a little overwhelming, but not in a bad way. It's, you know, the kind of stress that's good for you instead of the bad kind. Um, productive stress, I guess. I don't know. Made me better. Um, it was super fun to spend a ton of time together. I don't think we get to do that nearly as much in just our, like, Tuesday meetings. Yeah. Um I am not a super social person, so, like, it was great to just be around people and not have to, like, plan it because they're just all in the hotel room, and so that was cool. It was really fun to ride in the car. I think car rides are fun. So, yeah, I don't know. And I don't know. I think even when we talk about spending time together and, like, why are we focusing so much on this when, like, you went to this conference to learn and be professional, and I think the biggest thing is, like, the whole thing about being an ecosystem where it's, like, you can be as quote unquote professional as you want, as business like as you want, but when you are working with literature, when you are working with story stories, people's humanity, people's ordinary, so much of this work is rooted in love and care. And love and care is ultimately rooted in connections. 
So I know people talk about like professional boundaries and all of that stuff. And I, don't get me wrong, that stuff's very important. But I think in the sort of work that we do that is like, I don't know, dealing with carceral harm, dealing with personal harm, dealing with people's stories, one another's stories, having a connection, caring for one another, loving one another, caring about what we do makes us better. And I think, if anything, this weekend promoted so much care. We heard one another sing in the shower. We <laughs> took turns. <laughs> one another being Jonathan. Yeah. Jonathan. <laughs> we took turns. Sophia and I were so car sick. We took turns oh, stopping God. at countless gas stations so we wouldn't throw up. We knew one another's coffee orders and what kind of tea we liked by the end of it. Like, there is so much love and care yeah. that we experience and that we saw at these panels. Like, these panelists and these like, I don't know, even other literary journals, it, there was just so much love. I just felt so safe. Yeah. The entire yeah. place was just like a safe haven, I feel like. And I, I really do think that's because writing is an inherently emotional yeah. craft, and it requires a level of, like, contact with both yourself and, like, the world that a lot of professions don't necessarily require, which is why, like, writing is an art form. It's not just technical all the time. It, it definitely can be, but, like, that's why this whole industry exists is because it's an it's work, but it's an art form, and it's an emotional um, art form. And so I think that it's really crucial to have good relationships and strong connections with the people that you work with in this field because... Without it, I I just don't think you produce as good of writing and as good of publications. Like and, it's important. And what is an abolitionist world if not a world where we all love and care for each other a lot more? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Anyone have any final notes or points we want to get out there before we wrap this up? I have a list of thank yous that I'd love to include really quickly. Amazing. Um, I want to thank Aaron and Caroline, who are the English major advisors at UW Madison. They've been so supportive of. MJLC and all of us individually helping us prep for this conference, helping us gear ourselves up, connecting us to people, giving us emails and connections of other faculty who are going, other groups who are going, and just always being there for us. Um, I want to thank the Associated Students of Madison, like ASM, for funding this experience. We would simply not have been able to go if this wasn't funded. So thank you. I want to shout out two groups from Madison who are also there, the Madison Review and UW Press. They've been there before. They're established. They had tables, but they let us share their table. They texted us. We'd be like, got dinner together. It was just very nice to work with other Madison groups and groups that I personally admire so much. Um, I also want to take a minute to thank Ella, Sophia, Landis, and Jonathan. Missing three days of school <laughs> right when the semester starts and taking <laughs> diligent pages of notes. And at the end of the day, like we talk about how much we love this and how much we care about this and how this is basically our lives. But also everyone else who was there at this conference was again, a graduate student who got credit for doing this or paid for doing this or people whose livelihoods and professions these are. These four people are full-time students. Most of them are double majoring, have other activities and they do this because they care. And I just wanna, I don't know. I. That doesn't go unnoticed, and I just think it, you're very, very lovely people. So I just want to thank you for taking the time thank to do you, this. Yeah, thank you. And then finally, thank you, as always, to WSUM for letting us yap and for Abolitionist Roundtable because we were so excited to share the experience we had with other people. So thank you. <laughs>